Last time on Montreal Sauce. It's always good when like they have like an actor who's not reading the cue cards, <laughs> which would really depress me in the later years when you when they were going through some bad times and you're like looking at the cast members who are reading cue cards. <laughs> like, what were you doing Monday through Friday? Right. <laughs> right. It looks like uh, our guest is ready. Boom. Yeah. So I will ring in Jillian <laughs> right now. I was doing the, like, I can stop doing the stretch motion. Hey. Hello. Whoa. Hi. Hi. How's it going? It's going well. Hi. Welcome to uh, Montreal Sauce. Thank Thanks. you. Thanks, Thanks for guys. stopping by. <laughs> Thank you. I have to apologize in advance. Um, I'm in the middle of a cold, so I might sound a little stuffy. But Oh, no, that's completely understandable. I mean, it must be cold season in L.A. You suck. Something. Ah! <laughs> it's, uh, actually, right now it's pilot season, so I, I think I'm allergic to pilot season. Ah. <laughs> ah, yeah, makes sense. So... Um, from personal experience and uh, reading a piece from Nicole Belanger, our guest from our last episode, I know the token question, um, what do you do, is the wrong question. So, Jill, tell our listeners uh, why you get up in the morning. What drives you? Um, let's see. Uh, right now, I'm production coordinating a show called Whose Line Is It Anyway? Wow. Um, it was on... With did you guys did you guys watch it when Drew Carey was hosting? Word. Yeah, yeah. I watched it with him and I also saw the uh the old British version with Clive the Anderson. UK. Yeah, so it was originally a UK show and then um they brought it to the States and it aired from I think ninety seven 98 to like two thousand seven and then uh recently in 2013, they did kind of a, a, a reboot of the show. And uh, Aisha Tyler's our host now. And uh, this is our third third season of the new, new version of the show. So right now I'm uh, production coordinating. And what that entails is organizing all the behind-the-scenes stuff so things can go smoothly on set. That sounds daunting. <laughs> um, oh, yeah. Super stressful. Um, anywhere from, you know, setting up dressing rooms, uh, figuring out where they're going to park, figuring out where VIP is going to park, uh, making sure we have enough food, contacting catering. Um, what else? Making sure we have enough paper. Um, anything wow. and everything. <laughs> ordering director's chairs, ordering folding chairs, um, making sure everybody's happy. Yeah. So, but it's a, it's it's a great show. It's it's super fun. It's the same cast. It's uh, Wayne Brady, uh, Ryan Stiles, and Colin Mockery. Colin Mockery. Yeah, he's he's my buddy. He's cool. <laughs> everybody's super cool. That's awesome. Thanks. How are you guys? We're doing good. We're doing good. 
Cool. So, Chris, you're you're on my time, right? It's seven o'clock where you are. I am not. I am an hour off because I'm in Mountain Time. Got it. Okay. And then, Paul, it's ten o'clock by you, right? It is ten o'clock. That's correct. How's the future? It's good. <laughs> it's darker. Oh, is it? Okay. Yeah. Cool. <laughs> <laughs> FYI, that's headed your way. <laughs> Dang it. I could have told you that as well because I think it gets dark here like 4.30 or something. Ooh. Yeah, yeah, because you're uh, well, yeah, I'm kind even of north, of, north of us. So <laughs> Yes. <laughs> um, I have a funny Canadian story. I I got to listen to um, Chris. You're saying that a lot of people by you don't say a boot. <laughs> um, I was working with. Do you guys know who the actress Amanda Pete is? Yes, I do. Yes. Okay, I was working with Amanda Pete, and um, because I'm from Michigan. Oh. Apparently, I have an accent similar Uh-oh. to a Canadian accent, and um, the entire show, Amanda Pete was asking me if I was from Canada, <laughs> and then she would refer to me as the Canadian. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, so I understand you being called a Canadian. It's, uh, you know, it's funny because like when I first uh, got married and then we I moved here to be with my wife, everyone was like, oh, Canadians, eh? And so <laughs> it's like, okay, that's funny. Um, you're really good at telling um, old uncle jokes, I guess. Mm-hmm. Uh, <laughs> like I started getting offended and I was like, why am I getting offended? Even Canadians don't get offended, right? They're such wonderful, <laughs> polite people. <laughs> but but for whatever reason, I don't know if it's the mountains or what. <clears throat> Excuse me. Sorry. But for whatever reason, uh, I've blogged about this and talked about it before. Uh, Canadians out here in the West don't say A. And it's really funny, like. So when people make the joke, I'm like, that's funny, but it doesn't happen. But what happens out here is people will add hey to an end of a sentence. So it'll be like, oh, "Oh, Jill's on the show. This is pretty exciting. Hey. (laughs) (laughs) And because I've been here so long, it's like, well, you know, that sounds kind of sophisticated. It's not like it's like, hey. Right. This is cool. You know, it's like yeah. I, I always like liken it to, you know, those people who speak English and they add like no to the end of the sentence when they mean yes. You know, <laughs> like, it's a very beautiful day. No. Um, <laughs> so, yeah, it's uh, I, I don't mind being called a Canadian because if I do uh, start to get a little bit grumpy that uh, someone might be teasing me, I'm just like, well, no oil for you. How about that? so uh yeah production coordinator that is um that sounds like a lot of work (laughs) and you have you have like an army of course people underneath you to do your bidding i'm sure (laughs) yeah um yes this season i have 10 awesome awesome production assistants who save my life every day (laughs) <laughs> um, 
no, they're they're really great. Um, some of them have been with the show before, so they they know the drill. They know what show days are like. It's like constantly busy, busy, busy. And then we start to record and then it's quiet. Hmm. <laughs> and we can kind of focus on what we really need to do. Um, but no, it's it's a lot of fun. We uh, we record for about four hours. Um, each night we record. And we get about two to three episodes out of each recording, mm. which I had no idea they did this. This is uh, this is my second time around with the show. So it was really interesting to hear and to witness. We we dedicate four hours to recording, which I would think that the um, the comedians would just get so tired, which they do. But if you keep going and keep going, you get some really funny stuff out of it instead of breaking <laughs> it up. Yeah, that makes sense. I mean, we started doing just 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 this podcast and our funniest bits is after Paul says, I'm going to hit stop in the recorder. Uh. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, or we should we shut off the live stream and then we have uh, yeah. I probably yeah. have uh, seven or eight hours worth of like uh, Montreal sauce after dark stuff. <laughs> Nice. <laughs> nobody's heard nice yeah when the energy finally gets moving it's actually an interesting experiment you're the first time we've brought someone in like halfway through because what we do is paul and i just started doing this show uh really just to keep in contact since i moved and then um we just kept talking and Paul's like, Chris, it's like 11 o'clock. I need to go to bed. And <laughs> <laughs> so then I was like, oh, I sorry. I didn't realize it was so late. We were just having a good time and yep. or, or I was. Uh, so <laughs> so then Paul was like, well, why don't we like split these up into two episodes an hour each and then we can record once every two weeks and we have two episodes in the bank. And so that's what we're doing. So um, so, yeah, it's like. Once we have a guest on in the beginning and then that second hour rolls in, like, you know, if everything's clicking, it's like a really good second hour. <laughs> but it. it's interesting now that we've been he and I have been like riffing uh, about technology and stupid SNL stuff. So now we're like warmed up. And uh, so this is the best show ever. Thanks for coming, Jill. Good night. <laughs> <laughs> Yes, you have a, a storied like I we met uh, at university. Did you know Paul? Uh, I want to say yeah. I I'm trying to remember. I don't think we have classes. We had classes together, Paul. But I remember you. Um, I I'm sure I was floating around because I was always a I was always in and out of the equipment room and down in the basement. Um, right. Editing stuff. Um, I, were you? Were you a teacher's assistant for one of our professors? Um, I'm trying to remember if I ever did. You were, but yeah. I can't remember I, what it was for. Yeah, I feel like it was. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I think you were, actually. Yeah, I think so, too. <laughs> so there. It must have happened. It must have happened. It must have happened. <laughs> We have just rewritten history. <laughs> Time can be rewritten, people. This is true. Um, our our school is having a. Did you guys see? We're having a, a 
film video um, alumni meetup on May 2nd. I did see that. I was actually invited. Are you are you guys going? I don't know that I can. We're going to I'm I'm definitely looking into it. Yeah. I well, probably should go since uh I still live in <laughs> Allendale. <laughs> right on. Yeah. It's not that far. You could walk there. Yeah, right. <laughs> <laughs> you could ride the rapids. <laughs> it was probably uh it was probably Philbin's class that I was a TA. That's what I'm thinking. Yeah. Uh, um, sixteen, probably sixteen millimeter one. Yeah, that's what it was. Yeah, there you go. Sandwich I probably days. showed people how to set up lights and load a Bolex. Yes, you did. You did a great job. Well, thank you. I appreciate that. <laughs> I think I could still load a Bolex. Uh, <laughs> I, a skill I will never use again. But I. <laughs> oh. <laughs> It's too bad they don't they don't make sixteen millimeter film anymore. So like the stuff that you can get is super expensive, and it's super expensive to get it processed now because they just don't make it. Right. Somebody's got some hoarder out there has film stock though. Yes. I mean, yep. I need to find them, and I you know that somebody's got to have it. Someone's got to have it. Well, I know that uh, in my closet I still have probably. 200 feet or so of uh, film in a can that's been taped and closed. And uh, I don't know that I've taken perfect care of it temperature wise, but I don't think it's been exposed to any particularly high temperatures. So it should still be good. If you, if you can make a short film on 200 <laughs> feet. Of- I was just calculating. I'm like, okay, 200 <laughs> feet. That gives me, that's a very short film. Yes, <laughs> it needs to be. You know, you need to. You need to do a Hitchcock style, like all in one shot. Don't plan on editing much. It needs to be experimental. Like um, I do remember in one of our film classes watching a film that was experimental. Caitlin, I think, was my professor, but she uh, she made us watch a film where the uh, filmmaker squashed bugs on the film. Oh, Mom, yeah. Light. There you go. Moth light, yeah. <laughs> because then you don't have to. Well, you should probably still get it um, processed, but <laughs> <laughs> I'm just thinking of saving costs that way. <laughs> uh, speaking of experimental, do you guys remember meshes of the afternoon? Uh, yes, I actually, um, <laughs> I sort of own it, and I I parodied it in my media one class. Oh, nice. So, so nice. then in a later class, I made like a DVD of both films. <laughs> you can choose to watch the original or mine. Nice. <laughs> the reboot. The reboot, <laughs> yes. <laughs> awesome. Um, With- not, too, not too long ago, that house that they filmed Meshes of the Afternoon in was up for sale. And uh, a good friend of mine who lives in Los Angeles, we were plotting to go take a look at it, but it was, you had to submit all your information to the realtor before they would even let you go inside the house. So we were plotting ways to make it look like we could financially afford this house and we were going to rent a 
super nice luxury vehicle and dress really nice and go to this house so we could just walk through it. <laughs> and um, <laughs> we kind of we kind of got scared and because if if we did a good job of presenting information that it looked like we were going to buy it, I feel like the realtor wouldn't leave us alone. Right. Oh yeah, yeah. So um, so we kind of you know at the last minute didn't didn't go, but we were plotting to go to the open house for this and take a walkthrough just to say that we've been to the house where Meshes of the Afternoon was filmed. <laughs> What a great place to like rent out to roommates and then just try to freak out. <laughs> I'm just sitting oh. at the dining room table waiting for you to walk in and then I open my mouth and pull a key out. Yes. <laughs> just walk around with a, a mirror for a face. Yes. <laughs> and a hammer and a knife. Yes. <laughs> wow. That's crazy. We very nearly bought that house, but I'm just not sure I could sleep in it, darling. <laughs> or show up to the um, show up to the open house dressed as the yeah. character from Meshes. <laughs> Damn it! Or, time machine! Time machine! Or just have someone with like a small like camera like filming the real estate agent while like <laughs> you go down the stairs like Maya Darren. <laughs> oh my god what are you doing this is a new we're pitching a new reality show right now it's just you know you go to these houses that films were made in and then you film the real estate person <laughs> as you do reenact scenes from it. <laughs> oh boy <laughs> I'm trying to think of whatever what other movies that would be good with. Obviously, you'd want to go to like uh, the Overlook Motel, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. I was trying to think, but I, I think I recently heard that it was just a shack in the woods. But I was thinking like one of the, um, uh, not Army of Darkness, but the one before that. <laughs> um, Evil Dead. Evil Dead Evil too. Dead. Yeah. Yeah. Like, go into that house and just like oh no I cut off my hand (laughs) (laughs) remote control hand walking around the real estate agent passing out that's something that you could build with your raspberry pi Chris (laughs) I like it (laughs) until something goes horribly wrong (laughs) (laughs) right my remote control hand has a mind of its own all right I should never have shown it that book (laughs) so uh i've you've told me tales jill i remember back in the day um i think the last time we actually got to chat was five years ago but you told me tales of like hunting down christmas uh decorations in july and uh other fun production stuff (laughs) do you uh what was that oh yeah i yeah that was for um Harold and Kumar 3. Yeah. Um, which, um, if you haven't seen it, it uh, takes place in the winter. And we shot the movie in summer in Detroit. And so decorating sets for Christmas and 
trying to do that in the middle of summer is not as fun as you would think. (laughs) And uh, then having local Michigan vendors kind of upset because you bought out all their Christmas decorations. (laughs) (laughs) And they won't have any for Christmas. So, um, yeah, that was fun. It's a, um, so when I'm, I'm not production coordinating, I'm art department coordinating, which is very similar, but for the art department and, uh, my job consists of research. Um, for example, if a movie takes place during a certain era in time is pulling reference photos, um, and researching uh, how things looked, sourcing things, whether it's I can find it locally or on the interwebs or at prop houses. Um, so my when I work for the art department, it's, it's really fun. Um, you're kind of on a scavenger hunt, similar to what I was doing for Harold and Kumar 3 is sourcing every single piece of Christmas decor in the state of Michigan and uh, (laughs) getting it to our set. Um, But yeah, there's, there's been, I have tons and tons of stories. Um, (laughs) It's craziness. I think you guys would just have to like, uh, I don't know, pick, pick something I worked on. And yeah, you have like, uh, because like I said, we haven't talked in like five years. So I'm like, oh, what's uh, Jill's IMDb page like? And you have like a ton of stuff on there. <laughs> You've been very busy. Very busy. I love working. Um, Los Angeles has kept me very busy and I'm very thankful. Um, but yeah, it's out here. It's a lot of TV. So I've been working on TV a lot. Um, some feature films. Lots of commercials, some music videos. Yes, music videos are still being made. Um, <laughs> I hear they are very popular on YouTube. Oh, yes. And Vimeo. Mm-hmm. Um, let's see. Oh, web series. Web series are still very big out here. And I think the reason why is it's um, an easy way to get your um, – get your writing, get your acting out on the web easily available. Yeah. Yeah. I was going to say it's like a pseudo pilot for a lot of different types of skills. Yes. And they're, um, they're paid. They're not like free. Sure. Like, Oh, come work on this for free. No, it's (laughs) like they, they pay, um, they'll pay you to work on it. Wow. It's pretty cool. Um, what else? Lots of, uh, lots of commercials out here too. Um, yeah, just a little bit of everything. Chris, do you have my IMDb up now? I do. Okay. I don't even know what's on there, but. (laughs) Well, it says that you are known for Oz the Great and Powerful. (laughs) Okay. uh, The Hangover Part 3. Known for. Chef. uh, Which I've been meaning to watch, by the way. um, Oh, it's so good. It looks good. Is it good? Yes. I was so hungry. I just watched it recently. Um, but it makes it like, I, I think I ate my weight and food after watching that movie, but it's no, it's, it's done very well. I, um, 
IMDb is a little misleading because I didn't work on the full movie. I only worked on the New Orleans unit. Gotcha. Right. Um, so anytime you see New Orleans, uh, I was a part of that. Cool. Um, what else? So were you, I, this isn't on IMDb, but, or maybe I need to scroll down, but, um, I, you know, I'm stalker too. So I have your Instagram feed and I remember you posing with like, uh, some badges for biggest loser. Were you working on that or just, uh, watching? No, I, um, I crashed the finale. Um, um, the whose line is it anyway stage is right next door to where they were filming the finale. And I knew a lot of the crew that was working on the finale. They work on our crew and, um, I've kind of, um, you know, asked very politely if they could get me in to watch the finale. And, um, yeah, they were able to like pull two VIP passes out of nowhere. And I got to just, I got to go crash the, the finale, which was super cool. It's really awesome to see how other shows, um, put it all together, how organized they are, how they shoot things. Um, so it was like, it was, a, I'm a fan of the show and, um, it was a really interesting almost research experience too, to, to see how live tapings work. Mm-hmm. <laughs> they don't get to be a part of live tapings. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I was originally, uh, prepping that cause I was like, Oh, have you worked on reality television and like other scripted shows? I was wondering if there was sort of a difference. So you liked one more than the other. Um, I definitely like, um, I think both are great. Um, I really like scripted more because there's more of a formula to it, if that makes sense, where we, we know what the talent's going to say. We know the setting. We know kind of, we know what's going to happen. Um, reality is reality is a completely different animal not dogging on it at all, but it's, um, I think because I started in scripted that that's kind of home to me. But, um, yeah, I've I've worked on some reality, um, did some like a home renovation show for HGTV. And then I did an RV renovation show for, (laughs) yes, for travel channel. Um, which is more reality. Um, and then I did something this summer in Atlanta that was like hidden camera reality show. So it's, it's a, it's a Hmm. completely different animal. Um, but I'm, I like scripted a lot more. (laughs) Makes sense. Yeah. Yeah. What, what TV shows are you guys watching right now? Oh boy. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, let's see. I am, uh, I am on Netflix. Uh, I'm about halfway through, uh, Arrow season two. I'm, I'm coming up on the point where I think, uh, the flash actually starts getting involved. Um, um, 
I'm a big fan of uh, Doctor Who, um, so I'm waiting for that season just ended recently. Um, so waiting for the the next season of that to start back up. Um, uh, the 100. I'm watching. Uh, my my wife and I have been watching that. We're subscribed to that on iTunes. So, um, which I really enjoy. I kind of feel like it's almost kind of a secret sin kind of a show. I don't know <laughs> if I should be sharing that I watch that, <laughs> but uh, but I enjoy it. Um, I don't know if my wife enjoys it as much as I do. What um, is it? I, I haven't heard of it. The 100 is. Yeah. I'm trying to remember what it's actually on because I'm one of these internet streaming guys. So I just like find shows that look interesting and start watching oh, okay. them through that. Uh, I think, I it's, think a CW. it's I think it's a CW. Yeah. yeah. And uh, the 100. Um, I'll give you the kind of the synopsis from the first season, and then it kind of it kind of shifts from there because it has to. But um, the in the first season, it's basically there's been some kind of an apocalypse on Earth. Like everybody, there was a war. Everybody launched their nuclear weapons, uh, and the only people who have survived are the people who are were in space at the time. And it's in sort of the the near ish future, but there were a lot a decent number of people living in space, and they all took their space stations basically and combined them into one giant space station. But they realize that that space station is failing. Um, they can't live there forever. And it's been like a hundred years or something like that. And they're hoping that they can send people down to the ground. Um, and that there's not so much radiation that they'll, that they'll just die. Um, but it's kind of a long shot. Um, and so they send a hundred people who they send is kind of an interesting twist of the show, but they send a hundred people to the surface, um, to see if they'll survive. Uh, and those hundred people, uh, discover things on the surface that are unpredicted, unpredictable. So aren't they all like tweens, like, like bad kids or something? Yes. So the hundred people that they sent, they have this rule on the (laughs) space station basically, which is that. Air and water and food and all of that is very precious. And so if you commit any crime at all and you're above basically the age of consent, if you're like 18 or older, um, the any crime at all is basically punished by death. They just shoot you out the airlock. Like, Ooh. sorry, you stole that bread and we're hungry, uh, 24601, but you're going out the airlock. So, um, uh, but miners they decide to treat differently they uh just lock them up um until they're 18 and when they're 18 whatever the, whatever slight they did is like forgiven and they're released back into the general population at which point if they commit another crime they're out um in space so they they decide that we're going to send a hundred people. Well, we've got a hundred adolescents, <laughs> so we're just going to throw them on a spaceship and send them to earth. Uh, and meanwhile, that's going to buy us time here on the space station because that's a hundred people who aren't not, are not going to be using our oxygen or eating our food anymore. Um, and if they don't, uh, all just immediately die of radiation poisoning, then we'll figure out how to get to the surface after that. Oh, wow. Yeah. Sounds like a scripted version of Survivor in space. Yeah. Yeah. It's kind of along those lines. That sounds cool. I'll have to look for that. So, yeah. I'm in uh, – they're uh, doing season two right now, 
And that's, that's, uh, what I'm watching. Right on. Yeah. That's a, that's, I like it. Um, I'm a, I, I enjoy science fiction and I would say from a, just from a viewer perspective, I generally prefer scripted to, uh, reality as well. I don't think I could name any reality that I watch outside of maybe HGTV, like home improvement-y type shows. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Chris, what are you, you watching? I'm with you on the reality stuff. I can't. The only thing I'll watch that's maybe sort of reality television is uh, the British Top Gear and then mm. some of their like panel shows are always kind of fun. <laughs> it's interesting. Top Gear? Sorry, go ahead. What were you saying? I was going to say, is is Top Gear considered reality, though? Yeah, I don't know. That's a good question. I was stretching it there, maybe. Mm-hmm. I find the shows across the pond, I can't remember who was saying it. I think it was a comedian on a, a Nerdist podcast. But it's interesting, across the pond, like it's a much smaller... Uh, beast like filmmaking and production so like they have all these like sort of panel shows where they just have like a few celebrities on and they do like a season and then they don't do it again and then next season there's like four new panel shows but like the celebrities themselves will like be on Downton Abbey and then they'll be like on this panel show or something because mm-hmm. like there's not as big of a distinction between I'm a film actor and I'm a teller because it's a much smaller market. That's what this comedian was saying. And I thought that was kind of interesting. I was like, Oh, that makes a lot of sense when he explained it that way. Um, but I'm watching uh, my guilty pleasure is um, and I don't even know why I say it that way, but uh, is supernatural for whatever reason. I finally got into that show and it's just a fun vibe. Mm, yeah. I, I don't think what they're on season 7,000 or something. Um, <laughs> and I'm super excited for uh, Silicon Valley and Orphan Black to come back soon, like in the next couple months. So until then, I'm watching Helix, which is okay. Yeah. And 12 Orphan Monkeys. Black. Oh, 12 Monkeys. Yes. Uh, they shot the pilot of that in uh, Detroit, Michigan. Really? <laughs> really? I did not know they that. They did, yeah. And then they took it and then they took it to Canada after the pilot. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, Silicon Valley, they just wrapped season two. I, uh, I crashed their wrap party um, <laughs> last week. Yeah, last week. Um, my fiance, Josh, he also works in the industry. Um, he worked on both seasons of Silicon Valley for HBO and, um, yeah, we, we went to the wrap party last week and they showed a blooper reel, a gag reel. And, uh, I'm so excited. Like season two looks really, really good. <laughs> yeah. I'm excited too. I was kind of sad to find out that, that the one character, the actor who plays him actually died and they, they said, you know, they're going to sort of like keep him in the show. It's just going to be like that kind of character that you never see anymore. And I was like, yeah, I guess that's the wise decision because like you could never get anyone to replace him because he was so good at it. I know. Yeah, they were. I remember when he passed away, it was um, uh, they didn't know. It was kind of like, what do we do? What do we do? Yeah. But from what I've heard, like it's 
they kind of play it into it's going to be played out very well for season two. Sweet. So, yeah, they started 12 Monkey or they did the pilot in Detroit, um, which makes me kind of sad that it didn't stay there, but also kind of sad that that's noteworthy because it takes place in a future where everything's run down and destroyed. (laughs) Um, (laughs) Because that's not a very positive image for Detroit because it is going through a comeback. Uh, But, yeah, that's interesting. Um, that they took it to Canada, I'm assuming, because it's cheaper, huh? Um, I think uh, – so what happens is they'll – like a company will do a pilot and then they'll – whatever – I think it was – yeah, it was for the sci-fi channel, right? Yeah. And then they kind of bid it out to different production companies and like, can you give us 12 episodes for X amount of dollars and – I'm sure a Canadian company said we could we can do that for cheaper. <laughs> yeah, because they know. used a Canadian estimate. They're like, here you go. <laughs> <laughs> right. <laughs> and then when the show gets started, they're like, wait, oops. <laughs> yeah, even though Michigan has this, uh, they well, they had a great film incentive. Yeah. Um, up to up to forty two percent tax break, um, and then it, that went away. And they treated it more like a grant program. And now oh. they had something in place. And now it sounds like it might be cut again. I've been very much out of the loop. But, um, yeah. yeah it's, it's interesting because we had um, a guest on, who that was a couple shows ago. But he's a 3D uh, generalist. And it's interesting because uh, when I was in Michigan – and you were there. Uh, you were working on films because of the film incentive, and it was great. But then um, my friend who does 3D is in New York. And to talk about incentives from his perspective, like Vancouver offers all kinds of crazy incentives for 3D. So it's like he can't find any jobs in New York because they all go to Canada like right. to make it. So it's like – wow, I'm hearing like the other side because the film incentive was like such a boom for those of us like in that area when it happened. Yep. Um, it is, it's like you you do a lot of traveling for your job. You said you were in Atlanta and stuff. Yeah. Um, uh, let's see, I've been to New Orleans a few times. I went to Atlanta last summer. Um, I've even worked in Manhattan for a minute. Um, a New Las York Vegas, um, yeah, kind of, kind of all over. I don't, I don't like to sit still, so I'm, I'm okay with the traveling. <laughs> it's kind of like a, a necessity for the most part, you think, or no? Um, yes and no. Um, well, now Los Angeles, they're getting on board with all the other state competing with the other states that have incentives. So they're trying to bring uh, feature films and TV back to California and it's working. So there's, there's more work here in town, which is keeping me busy. Um, And so I haven't, I haven't traveled since last summer. So this, I think this is the longest I've sat still. Um, (laughs) 
but um and then I try to because Michigan is home for me if I have the opportunity to work on something back home I'll go back home and work on it nice yeah I um I was wondering like it is going to be I was going to ask you, even though it's kind of a weird personal question, but I just thought, wow, you must have to like travel a lot and you do a lot of hours. So it must be difficult to have a relationship. It almost helps to have a relationship of someone who's in the business, I'm assuming, right? Absolutely. Um, Josh has been in this (laughs) industry um, since he was 18. Um, And it's funny because when I used to like all the TV shows that I watched in like high school, like Buffy the Vampire Slayer and was it, like Scrubs and X Files, like he worked on all those. <laughs> nice. And uh, so he's been he's been working in the industry for a long time, and he knows he knows the business. He knows long hours, so it's really and he's super supportive. So he and he travels too. Um, he two was it two years ago. He did the first season of True Detective for HBO. Okay. Um, and he was in New Orleans for about five months. Wow. So that was like we, yeah, it's like we we understand that the the industry moves and we need to go where it is. And, but yeah, it's it's definitely helpful being with somebody who's also in the industry. Right. Yeah. That's what I was like. Um, just hearing stars even talk about it. So it's like, it must be difficult. (laughs) Are you, are you, um, are you in a union then or no? Yes. I, uh, recently joined, uh, there's a coordinators union out here and I recently joined that. So, I'm able to be a production coordinator and an art department coordinator. Mm. So that's uh, uh, out here. It's 871. That's my union out here. Cool. Yeah. Um, it's interesting because uh, my only experience uh, other side of the line <laughs> doing post um, and never for anything is big just commercials and stuff. So, but my only experience with that sort of debate was watching that documentary that came, um, <laughs> with that, uh, movie, uh, full to full to boogie, the documentary. <laughs> <laughs> and so it's just interesting. I was th- thinking about it. Cause, uh, like I said, our 3d guest was talking about how they just can't unionize like, uh, 3d workers and how it would be helpful. And, um, I was just like, wow, because, you know, when you watch that documentary, it's like, yeah, unions are okay, but then we wouldn't have gotten this great movie done if we had to follow some of their rules. So I was just wondering where you, like, sat in the union camp. <laughs> well, for for a bit, I wanted to um, get into the Director's Guild. Hmm. Um, I was freelance assistant directing for a bit, um, even out here. Um, and then just kind of fell into coordinating, which is similar to assistant directing, but you're not on set. Um, so I was, I was about to go that route. 
and then kind of just fell in love with coordinating with production coordinating and art department coordinating. And um, it was easier for me to get health benefits that way. And Mm. um, people are always looking for coordinators out here. So that's, that kind of pushed me to join, join the union out here. Is that because it's sort of, it's more of like an unsung hero kind of job as opposed to something that is on, on set directing, assistant directing, that kind of thing? Uh, coordinating versus assistant directing? Yeah. Um, yeah. You're saying so it's in, it's more in demand or it seems like it is. It's more in demand. We work a little bit longer. Mm. Uh, we're on for the beginning of the show, like the be- the very beginning of the show, almost up until post. Sometimes we stay on for um, post. Um, I know a lot of production coordinators also come post production super coordinators. Ah, so um, they stay on through the through the life of the project. Yeah. Basically. Yep. But um, it's it's different but similar i like being that task manager on set mm-hmm. the middle person between the creative side the director and the business side the producer mm-hmm. i like being that um but it's almost harder because the the jobs that want the non-guild assistant directors don't pay as well sure and then then you have all the non-guild ADs who are trying to get their days. You have to collect days to join the DGA. Mm-hmm. So people are constantly working and you have to get a certain amount of days. And then coordinating, um, I only had to work one show and it, it got me into the coordinator's union. So I was able to get mm. into a union faster yep. by one show. And you love it. And I love it. And it's <laughs> it's crazy and it's insane, but I wouldn't want it any other way. Uh, every day is different. We're doing each project is different. Um, you get to work in a new location almost every day. And especially every show, you're in a new location. It's a new story for the day. It's new actors for the day. You're working with new producers. You're working with new staff. It's definitely interesting. It's uh, it's not really boring. <laughs> <laughs> it can be it can be scary sometimes because you don't know what your next job is going to be when you're freelancing. Yeah. Um, but you just have to you just have to you know save a little bit of money and put yourself out there, network. Um, cold call, send resumes to people you don't know, word of mouth. Yep. Um, build a network. Build a network. It's almost as much work as working on set or in the office. Mm-hmm. For sure. Yeah. Yeah. But no, I, I wouldn't want to do anything else. I love it. Even if, you, even if it's so crazy. Do you, uh, do you enjoy... It, maybe it's not really once you break down a production, it's not really a valid question, but do you enjoy like the the smaller productions uh 
more than like the bigger projects that you worked on, like Oz and Underworld and stuff like that? I like, um, I kind of miss the small, the smaller projects. I feel like there's more creativity going on. Um, you're more like, it seems like you're more likely on a smaller production to have to wear multiple hats, right? Like you've got to, you just have to pull more weight of the whole thing, but that also means you have more input into all of the different pieces that are in motion. Absolutely. When we were making projects in school, we had to wear multiple hats <laughs> yeah, and do everything all at once, which I think, you know, kind of prepared us as production humans. Um, yeah, but the, the smaller projects, like uh, I came back to Michigan for a movie called Only Lovers Left Alive, which was which is a Jim Jarmusch movie. Mm-hmm. Um, that was a very, that was a small crew and, um, I felt like there was more creativity happening and we got to witness more creativity and, um, as opposed to like a bigger studio movie where the studio has a lot to say. Yeah. Yep. And here Jarmusch had like, he knew what he wanted and it was really cool to witness like he was talking about music already. We're, we're like in production. He's talking about music. He wants to, to be played over one scene. He wants, you know, working closely with the designer. Um, but the, the bigger projects, even the stuff I've worked on for MTV, like we have to present to the network and the network has to say yay or nay. And it kind of takes away from the process. Right. Right. Do you have uh, more, uh, I don't know, like support maybe in the bigger productions? Like is it a little more put together well and maybe you're not going to go home at four in the morning? Like, <laughs> uh, Yeah, there's... Um, the trade-off. Yeah, with the, with the bigger shows, like uh, you definitely have people that are there to do their job so you're not doing everybody's job for them. Um and yeah, they, they keep it, they try to keep it uh, 12 hour shoot days, sometimes less, sometimes they'll go over a little bit. Um, but the smaller projects, you know, well, you know, some music videos I've worked on, we've done 18 hour, 20 hour days. Yeah. Um, but yeah, there's, there's a little bit more structure. Um, but yeah, it's still fun. It's, you know, it's still new. Every every job is new. Every day it's a different story, new people. Now, when you work on a pilot, are you in a position where, um, like if the network says we're going to pick that pilot up, uh, is that something where you could find yourself uh, in a role working on that TV show regularly, uh, like you're doing with Whose Line, or is it more along the lines of you're just going to keep freelancing and finding other pilots to work on and moving from project to project? Um, it really depends on, uh, let's see, I did a pilot, I worked on a pilot um, in October, November for MTV, and I worked with this production designer, um, I don't know if it's been picked up yet, but if 
that say MTV says yes to it, then they will order a season. Mm-hmm. If the company wants that production designer back, the de- the designer will invite me back for the. But ah, yes, usually, okay. usually, um, crews that start on the first season usually stay on the entire time. Like the the people who work on CSI, they've been on that show forever. They haven't worked <laughs> on anything else. <laughs> yeah, yeah, right. <laughs> yeah, I've heard that about. Um, you know about out or working in TV in general is if you you could find yourself on on a particular job like you 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 find yourself working for a series um, and aside from maybe doing a few freelance jobs in uh, you know when the series is not in active production mm-hmm. um, you you'll just stay in there and then you have the challenge of when that series is done you know. Uh, season seven is over. They're not going for a season eight. We're done here. Um, now, hopefully, those other people all find themselves working somewhere, and you can follow them. You know, build, that whole build your network thing. Or alternatively, uh, you just need to get yourself back out there again. Yeah, um, we our production office for Who's Line. We moved into CBS Radford. And we moved into the old production office for the TV show Parks and Rec. Mm, yeah, and they've I'm... been uh, they've been there for seven years. Mm-hmm. And it's it's kind of like I kind of tiptoe around that office because I'm like, oh my gosh, <laughs> you guys have lived here for seven years, and now yeah. Yeah. we're coming in and taking over your office, and just like kind of they just moved out um, this month officially. So it's kind of like, oh my gosh, like you guys have been here for so long. They've been comfortable, you know, they're like, right. we're going to do this show forever. And then I'm like, wow, what, you know, what, what are they going to move on to next? Yep. But I always, I always think about that. It's, um, I would be happy to get a series that is long run, long term, but at the same time, I'm always nervous about it ending. And then what? Yeah. Yep. Yeah, or you you get the series kind of like I'm assuming your fiance Josh might end up going back or is back for season two of True Detective, and now there's another five months like where you guys are apart, right? Um, they're doing season two in California, and Josh oh. is actually Josh is actually doing. Uh, well, he just did uh, Silicon Valley two. So he wasn't able to do True Detective the second season. Ah, uh, okay. So he's he's constantly big big or he's constantly working. He works on um like really big stuff, and it's funny because I feel like all the stuff I work on is tiny compared to what he works on. <laughs> <laughs> but um, yeah, he's constantly busy. Nice. Well, you have to thank him as well for giving uh, us the time with you. (laughs) (laughs) He's at work right now. It's fine. (laughs) But it is getting late and we should wrap up before we start talking about uh, your acting roles. Um, Oh, no. (laughs) Those are fake. Um, the, The Boba Fett one is real, but all the other ones are fake. Yeah. Yeah. Those aren't, those never happened. You mean I watched Poseidon Rex and Avalanche Sharks for nothing? 
Those, those are not real. I'm sorry. <laughs> I always so, wondered if uncredited actually meant something. <laughs> I, I don't even know. I don't know. Well. <laughs> wow. I'm glad. So I, was, like, I was feeling guilty for not watching the, the prequel Sand Sharks. So <laughs> it gets mentioned in Avalanche Sharks. And I was like, oh, I didn't watch that one. That must be why I'm missing out in story. So Sand Shark is a prequel to Avalanche Shark? <laughs> I don't necessarily know it's a prequel. I just know that one character through some very witty dialogue says, I'm getting away from all this snow. I'm going to go to somewhere where there's a beach. Um, oh. And then someone else is like, I wouldn't do that if I were you. I hear they have sand sharks. Oh, my gosh. And I was like, wait, I think I saw that somewhere. <laughs> <laughs> and then there's going to be like, what, three-headed shark attack. And <laughs> right. I think there's been like a dragon shark or, or camelot, camelot shark. <laughs> um, I know sharks people, of the round table. <laughs> sharks of the round table. Um, uh, yeah, I know, the, I know the, post, the guys at the post house for those movies. So I, they always tell me what they're working on. And that's kind of how I got on the website or on the IMDb because I'm friends with them. I'm like, oh, fun. <laughs> that's funny. Stop it. That's hilarious. <laughs> so it's like some kind of an, it's some kind of a hazing and or trolling ritual is to post your friends' names as being in productions on IMDb. Yeah, like as like embarrassing roles. Like I, I always get nervous when um, I always get nervous when somebody's IMDBing me and they're gonna see that and like, oh, I'm so not gonna get hired. <laughs> <laughs> That's not true because I noticed during uh, as we were talking tonight that there's actually a message board posting for you as well on your page, and so it's titled "Gah." <laughs> And it's uh, by someone with a lot of consonants and numbers. And they say, if you don't hire her, you're stupid. She's the best. Ah, uh, that would be um, that would be Patrick Gibbons. He was yep. uh, the second AD on Super Troopers. Nice. And um, then, then Jay Zabi answers underneath agrees. So you're going to get job because these two people say to hire you. Totally. Nice. Nice. And um I mean we we only have like 16, well 15 listeners if you don't count my mom, but uh they're all Hi, mom. Pro- They're all movie producers, so you're set. Woo! Cool. <laughs> all the jobs please. Ready for actors phone numbers good. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, good. I should have had you on our other show, Film Frown, when we watched Harem Scarum, because I think you're an Elvis fan. Oh, my gosh, yes. Um. (laughs) Because Paul and everyone else on this show wasn't much of a fan of that film. I don't know. I actually liked watching it. (laughs) It's just terrible. (laughs) Um, Do you guys know where Josh and I are getting married? Are you getting married in Graceland? I am getting married. We are getting married at Graceland. Wow. In a couple months, yeah? 
And yeah, in uh, May 1st, which is actually Elvis and Priscilla's wedding anniversary. That is awesome. Wow. Awesome. Congratulations. So like a bit. Thank you. Thank yes. you very much. Congrats. <laughs> That's amazing. Well, we should make like uh, we should just pick an Elvis movie uh, for every uh, <laughs> do one every season of Film Frown, and then we could have awesome. you back. Yay! Yes. Cool. This is possible. This is possible. <laughs> um. Yeah. Well. Uh, thanks again for joining us. Uh, the last time we chatted, I like I said, I think that was about five years ago. Um, Stop reminding me. I feel yeah. bad. <laughs> I had to, I had to look up like emails um, for a video project I was working on when you like uh, bumped into me and you brought me like food from the <laughs> set <laughs> at like one in the morning. Um, Eat this food. Yes. But uh, yeah, we'll have to make this a tradition. You know, every five years we'll get together and chat. Forget <laughs> selfies together. That's like so 2014. We'll just, you know, get together and record our voices. Awesome. <laughs> Podcasting well, is going to be huge. Huge. <laughs> yes. Paul knows because he's in the future. This is That's true. Right. <laughs> That's right. In the next three hours, it's going big. <laughs> so... <laughs> Jill, where can uh, people find you? If you uh, want in my house help. in Los Angeles. All I right, mean. which is where Maya Darren filmed *Matches <laughs> of the Afternoon*. <laughs> yes. Just knock on the door that and was, ask for Jill. That was the only thing filmed in Los Angeles <laughs> ever. Nice guys, thank you so much for having me. So sorry about my voice and my stuffy nose. No uh, worries at all. But I had a blast. Thank you, guys. Thank Elise, you for joining us. Thank you. I was so glad that you could make it in short notice. No problem. Cool. Take care. No, you take care. <laughs> hey. 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 <laughs> okay, uh, sausages. Uh, if you're still listening, and I hope you are, uh, next week we are back uh, with Film Frown, which is we're going to watch The Hoff. In uh, Star Crash with uh, Sally Ann and Dan are joining us. And two weeks from now, we're back with Montreal Sauce with Alan Henry from Lifehacker. So uh, come on back. Um, awesome. If you need to find me, you cannot find me in Los Angeles. You can find me in the <laughs> great white tundra of Canada. <laughs> or you can go on Twitter because I spend too much time on there. Ask my wife. And I am at sick days, S-I-K-K-D-A-Y-S. Yes, and I am uh, in a different great white tundra of uh, Michigan, um, and uh, you can find me on Twitter at Paul D, P-A-U-L-D, uh, or at my blog, com. Awesome. Thanks, everyone, for listening. Uh, it was a fun time, and I hope you'll come back next week. And remember, if life gives you potatoes, make poutine. <laughs> 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 That's extraordinarily Canadian. <laughs> That's my rockin' cheesy sign-off that I came up with well hours done. ago. Bye-bye now, everyone. I'm going to stop recording. And Paul is pushing buttons to make us not live. Yes. <laughs> cool. All right, guys. Thank you again. Yes. It was so much fun. Thanks for coming and teaching us about film. Um, come visit. <laughs>
anytime you guys come to Los Angeles, Los Angeles, please let me know. Will cool. do. Yeah. yeah. Leave, and, leave your snowy tundra. Yes. <laughs> we need to. Yes. <laughs> Next time you're, uh, you know, you get stuck filming in Edmonton, you know, stop by. <laughs> I've always wanted to work in Canada, I, but you need like a, they're very picky. They, oh, yeah. um, they want you to be a citizen for real. Yeah. For real. And then I need a special visa. Cause I always thought I was going to work on the X-Files. Yes. I'm actually, that's like my new favorite podcast is like Kumail Nanjani's from uh, <laughs> Silicon Valley. He does a podcast about the X-Files. <laughs> <laughs> oh my gosh. I need to check that out. Yeah, it's called the X Files Files, <laughs> <laughs> and he basically watches the episode with another comedian, and they talk about it. And Kumail is like deadpan, like super fan, ridiculous. Oh my gosh, I should tell him the next time I see him that I'm a fan. Yes, I like it a lot. <laughs> All right, I'll let you go, guys. Thank you again. I had a blast. Thank you much. Thanks. All right, talk soon. Bye. Yep. Bye.